Good morning to each one. I greet you in Jesus' name this morning. It is a joy to be with you to worship the Lord together this morning. It's a beautiful fall-like day. What better place to be than in the Lord's house this morning? Who can tell me what happened 20 years ago yesterday? I'm sure some of you remember that event. So I think about 20 years ago, there's quite a few here that are younger than 20 as well that would have no memory of that. Can anyone tell me? 9-11 is the the day that I don't believe I will forget. That was a tragic day for many souls. September 11, 2001, we had the terrorist attack on the World Trade Center in New York City also on the Pentagon, and there was also a plane that went down in a Pennsylvania field. So just under 3,000 souls were ushered that day from time to eternity. And as I thought about that, I had to think about a time in Scripture when Jesus was telling his disciples that the temple in Jerusalem was going to be destroyed. And when the temple was destroyed in Jerusalem in A.D. 70, many people died as well. So for the sermon text this morning, I'm going to use Matthew 24. Y'all may turn there. Title of the sermon, Take Heed and Watch. Matthew 24 and chapters 25, Jesus talks about what we can expect in the last days. And here Jesus gives us prophecy of end time events while sitting on the Mount of Olives overlooking the city of Jerusalem. And the events we'll be reading about here in Matthew 24 took place around 30 A.D. The temple in Jerusalem was destroyed by the Romans in A.D. 70. In the year 66 A.D., the Jews of Judea rebelled against their Roman masters. Israel was under the control of the Romans at that time, at the time of the ministry of Jesus. So in response, the emperor Nero dispatched an army under the generalship of Vespasian to restore order. By the year 68, resistance in the northern part of the province had become eradicated, and the Romans turned their full attention to the subjugation of Jerusalem. In that same year, the emperor Nero died by his own hand, creating a power vacuum in Rome. And in in the resultant chaos... Vespasian was declared emperor and returned to the imperial city. Then it fell to his son Titus to lead the remaining army in the assault on Jerusalem. So we're looking at some prophecy. Jesus gives us prophecy about approximately 40 years before it begins to take place. So Matthew 24, start reading verse 1. And Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See you not all these things? Verily I say unto you, there shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ. 
and shall deceive many. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be famines, and pestilences, and earthquakes in diverse places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then shall, de- then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted, and shall kill you. And ye shall be hated for all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended, and shall betray one another, and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise, and shall deceive many. And because of iniquity, I'm sorry, and because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. When ye therefore shall see the abomination of the desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, whoso readeth, let him understand. Then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. Let him which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house. Neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes. Woe unto them that are with child and to them that give suck in those days. But pray that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day. For then, for then shall be great tribulation. For such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. And except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved, but for the elect's sake those days shall be shortened. But if any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Christ, or there, believe it not. For there shall arise false Christs and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that, if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Behold, I have told you before. Wherefore, if they shall say unto you, Behold, he is in the desert, go not forth. Behold, he is in the secret chambers, believe it not. For as the lightning cometh out of the east, and shineth even unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son son of Man be. For whosoever, for wheresoever the carcass is, there will the eagles be gathered together. Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light, and the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. Now learn a parable of the fig tree, where his branch is yet tender and putteth forth leaves. Ye know that summer is nigh. So likewise ye, when ye shall see all these things, know that it is near even at the doors. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Then shall two be in the field, the one shall be taken and the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill, the one shall be taken and the other left. Watch therefore, for ye know not what hour 
your Lord doth come. But know this, that if the goodman of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. Who then is a faithful and wise servant, whom his Lord hath made ruler over his household, to give them meat in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Verily I say unto you, that he shall make him ruler over all his goods. But, and if that evil servant shall say in his heart, My Lord delayeth his coming, and shall begin to smite his fellow servants, and to eat and drink with the drunken. The Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he looketh not for him in an hour that he is not aware of, and shall cut him asunder and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So here in verse 1, Jesus went out and departed from the temple. Jesus was leaving the temple for his last time during his earthly ministry. And he makes his way up to the Mount of Olives, where he can look across the city. And it is here that the disciples come to him and ask the question. As they were leaving the temple, the disciples were pointing out to Jesus how grand and how beautiful the temple was. And Jesus responded to them, Do you see all these things? He says, there, will not be, there shall not be left here one stone upon another. This, this beautiful temple, there shall not be one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. He says it's going to be completely destroyed. Complete destruction. The temple was built on a raised platform that raised it high off the ground. Jesus is saying that these magnificent stones will be thrown down off the mound. You can go to Israel today and see those stones that were thrown down. The stones that Jesus is referring to here, he is speaking to it prophetically. But you and I can go to Israel and see it for ourselves. So this temple that stood during this time was the second temple during the reign of Herod the Great. During the reign of Herod the Great, the temple was completely refurbished. It took Herod eight years to gather the material together so they could build. When they began building, the crew consisted of over 10,000 men. And of those 10,000 men, there was 1,500 especially trained priests because only the priests were allowed to go inside, to go inside of the temple and do the work on those holy places. The temple was huge. The length of the temple grounds took up about five football fields. And the width was around four football fields wide. The temple was covered in gold plates. When the sun would shine on it, it was blinding to the eye. It was dazzling. And where there wasn't gold on the outside, there was polished white marble that was so white that from a distance it looked like snow. It looked like there was snow on the temple. And it took many years to build the temple. And it was only finished for seven or eight years when the Romans destroyed it in AD 70. So once the disciples 
got up to the Mount of Olives, they came to Jesus privately and asked him, you say the temple is going to be destroyed. Then they ask a question, when is this going to happen? When shall these things be? What shall be the sign? What shall be the sign of your coming and the end of the world? Why did they ask those two questions together? The disciples asked those questions together because they, they took them together. They could not conceive the temple being destroyed apart from Christ's return and the end of the world. They could not wrap their minds around it. So they asked these questions. That is what brings Jesus to the explanation of these things. So to us, this has already happened. So to us, this is history past. But to them, it was history that, history future. It was yet to take place. Jesus made it clear to the disciples that while there are signs relating to the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple, there are no specific signs given about his coming because that is something that could happen at any time. So that's the time we are in today. The time between Jesus' ascension and his second coming. We call it the church age. The church age is not necessarily a biblical term, but it's described in the Bible as the time period between Christ's ascension into heaven and the sight of his disciples on the Mount of Olives till the time when he will return. It's called the church age because it covers the time period in which the church is on earth. The church is composed of those who have by faith accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. The church is the body of Christ rather than a denomination or a building. The church age is marked by the Holy Spirit's permanent indwelling of His people. We read that in John 14, 16. And I will pray the Father and He shall give you another comforter that He may abide with you forever. So in verse 4, starting in verse 4 and following is the conditions of the world today. This is our lives. This is what we witness on a regular basis. And this is also what has been going on in every century since the time Christ ascended into heaven. Verse 4, And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. There are some that have claimed they are the Christ. But there are far more who have pointed to Jesus as the Messiah and have still led people astray. So we need to take heed because there are false prophets. A man by the name of William Miller was a Baptist minister in the mid-1800s who believed according to his prophetic interpretation that Jesus would return in 1844 and thousands of American citizens believed him. They sold all their earthly possessions, all their earthly wealth, and waited for the Lord to return. And when he did not, there was a huge disappointment. Many of those people fell away from the faith completely. They were led astray. They were deceived. Jesus warns us about that in verse 4 where he said, 
Take heed that no one deceives you. The Bible tells us plainly. Jesus tells us that no one knows the day or the hour in which the Lord will return. But he does tell us to watch. Jesus predicted these things would take place. And we are seeing it in our lifetime. Verse 6, And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. Verse 8, Jesus tells us this is only the beginning. Verse 8 says, all these things are the beginning of sorrows. In the NIV it says, all these are the beginning of birth pains. And you as mothers know what that feels like. It's what they call Braxton Hicks. It's your body preparing for labor, but it's not actual labor. It's what you experience prior to labor. Jesus is essentially saying that when you see wars and rumors of wars and earthquakes and famines and pestilences, this is only the beginning this is what happens in this time period of the church age. Don't be alarmed by these things. Jesus gave us the condition of the world during this time. Now in verse 9 and following, Jesus goes on to tell the disciples how they can expect to be treated during this time. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you and ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. He's saying you'll be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. You'll be hated by all nations because of me. Jesus is saying it will be a time marked by persecution. The book of Acts took place after Jesus' ascension. In Acts 1, we have the ascension of Jesus. Then from that point on, we read, many, read of many persecutions that took place for the body of Christ. And it goes on today. Many Christians are being persecuted today for their faith in Jesus. This is the way it is during the church age. It's at that time that many will turn away from the faith and they will betray and hate each other. It says many false prophets will appear and many will be deceived. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But notice in verse 13, it tells us who will be saved. It is he who stands firm until the end will be saved. It's not for the quitter. It's not for the one who throws in the towel. It's not for the one who, one who finishes. It is for the one who finishes. It is for the one who endures until the end. How are you holding up? Are you enduring as a good soldier for Jesus Christ? A few cross-references. Matthew 10, 22 says, And you will be hated for my name's sake. You'll be hated by all for my name's sake, but he who endures to the end will be saved. Another one is Hebrews 3, 6. But Christ as a son over his own house, whose house we are if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. 
In Revelations 2.10, this is Jesus speaking, Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested, and you will have tribulation ten days. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. Verse 10, And then shall many be offended, and shall betray one another, and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise, and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Jesus is saying there will be a progressive lawlessness in this period we know of as the last days. And as a result of that love of many, will grow cold in their hearts. They will grow cold towards the Lord. The Apostle Paul in his letter to Timothy spoke to this also. 2 Timothy 3, verses 1 to 4 in the NIV says, But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy. Without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. These things are on the increase. These are not signs of the end. These are signs in the end times. Verse 13 says, But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. The gospel will be first declared to all nations. We have the ability today through the internet. and We have the technology today to get the gospel message to all the world. It's much easier now than it was 100 years ago. Or even 50 years ago. It says in all the world. Before the destruction of Jerusalem, the gospel had been preached to the whole world. Then known to or visited by the subjects of Rome. In the same way, before the end of the present dispensation it may be expected that the truth shall be made known to all nations as a witness to them of the justice and mercy of God. The word will go out to all nations, to all the inhabited parts of the world before the Lord returns. Are you playing a part in that? Verse 15, when ye therefore shall see the abomination of the desolations spoken of by Daniel, by prophet Daniel, stand in the holy place, whoso readeth, let him understand. The destruction of Jerusalem and the temple is the foreshadowing of the great tribulation. This is a parallel prophecy in the part that it has already happened. The destruction of the temple has already took place. The great tribulation will take place in the future. Verses 16 to 20, Jesus warns what should be done when the abomination of the desolation appears. It says, flee immediately. Let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. Let him which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of the house. Neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes. And woe unto them that are with child, and to them that give suck in those days. But pray that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day. Then we come to verse 21. And we have the great tribulation. For then 
shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world, to this time, no, nor ever shall be. Jesus said that this will be the most awful time in history. When we think of the terrible wars, plagues, the famines, and genocide history has seen, this is a sobering statement. When God pours out His wrath on a God-rejecting world, it will be truly a great tribulation. Verse 23, Then if anyone comes to you and says, Lo, here is Christ, or there, it says to believe it not. Don't believe it. For there shall arise false Christs and false prophets and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Jesus said that during this time of tribulation, there's going to be a demonic rise of counterfeit power. Behold, I have told you before, wherefore, if they shall say unto you, Behold, he is in the desert, go not forth. Behold, he is in the secret chambers, believe it not. For as the lightning cometh out of the east, and shineth even into the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. It's going to be known from, one, from the east into the west. It says, For wheresoever the carcass is, there will the eagles be gathered together. So after the tribulation of those days, what will happen? It says the sun will be darkened and the moon shall not give her light and the stars shall fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And it, notice it doesn't tell us what that sign is. And then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. It will be an unmistakable event. Verse 31, And he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. The elect are the saved who have come to faith in Christ by the grace of God and are gladly anticipating their Lord's return. Then verse 32 moves into the parable of a fig tree. When his branch is yet tender and putteth forth leaves, ye know that summer is nigh. Jesus assured that when these signs appeared, as he foretold the abomination of desolation, followed by great tribulation, followed by signs in the heavens, that his return to the earth would follow. So when a fig tree buds, there is an inevitable result. Summer is near and the fruit is coming. In the same way, when these signs are seen, the coming of Jesus in glory with his church to this world will inevitably follow. So when you, verse 36 says, But at the day and hour no man knoweth no man, no, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. So what happens when you and I believe that Jesus could come at any time? It changes the way we live. If you think about an intruder 
coming into your into your house if you overheard them talking about what time they were going to going to come you would prepare you would be ready for them in the same way the word of god tells us that jesus is coming so be ready it's a challenge for each of us are you ready for christ to return for his church are you prepared if he should return today, are you ready to meet him? Verse 37 says, But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Here we have the observation that the people in Noah's days, Noah's day, knew not the severity and suddenness of the coming destruction. It indicates that the last generation will be totally unprepared for the coming of the Son of Man, the return of Christ to judge the world. He says when Christ returns, people will be living as usual. They're going to be going to weddings, eating and drinking, going to parties and so on. We don't know when the Lord is coming, but we do know He is coming suddenly to separate the lost and the saved. Take heed and watch. That's the burden for my message this morning. God's word is clear that Christ is coming again. Are you prepared for and watching unto prayer for His return? Verse 40. Verse 40 and following, Jesus gives us examples of the suddenness of His coming. There shall be two in the field, one shall be taken and the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill, one shall be taken and the other left. Watch therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come. He says, watch therefore, stay awake, be alert. For you don't know what day the Lord is coming. 1 Thessalonians 5, 6, Therefore let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. Romans 13, 11, And do this, knowing the time, that it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. Take heed and watch. Therefore be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. Paul also reminds us in 1 Thessalonians that Christ will come unexpectedly. 1 Thessalonians 5.2 says, For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. Jesus told us that we must carry on with diligence while the Lord is gone. We must be that faithful and wise servant who takes care of his master's business while the master is away. What is it that you want Jesus to find you doing when he returns? What changes our lives is the fact that Jesus can return at any moment. Jesus also promised that we will be rewarded for our diligence. The servants serve the master, but the master knows how to take care of 
and reward the servants. Verse 47 says, Verily I say unto you that he shall make him ruler over all his goods. Here we see the blessing of a faithful servant. One that is faithful with a few things will be put in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then we come to verse 48 and we see the contrast. Jesus gives us the contrast of the evil servant. An evil servant will convince himself that the Lord will not come for a while yet. He gets lazy and starts living for himself. And he is hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. He returns to his old lifestyle that he once had. He loses sight of the idea that Jesus is coming. He lives a life of unbelief and disobedience. Jesus tells us it's not going to be good for that person at all. Just when he returns and finds him beating his fellow servants and hanging out with the drunken. There is no way that we can live a life of sin and be ready for his coming. We can't live like the world and be living according to the word at the same time and be ready for his return. Are you ready? Jesus is coming. You know, we talk about Jesus coming as a baby. You know, that was prophesied. The prophet told us all about where he would be born. He told us he would be born in Bethlehem. It tells us all kinds of things about his birth. And we celebrate it every Christmas. Do you know that there are more prophecies about his, prophecies about his second coming than his first? And every single prophecy about his first coming was fulfilled to the letter. Do you think there'll be a problem with the second? No. I don't think so. Jesus is coming. Are you ready? This is the question each of us have to answer for ourselves before the Lord. A few verses from Luke chapter 21 in closing. It says, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. But take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and cares of this life, and that day come on you unexpectedly. For it will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch, therefore, and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass, and to stand before the Son of Man. Revelations 22.10 And he saith unto me, Seal not the saying of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. And he which is filthy, let him be filthy still. And he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me, to give every man according as his works shall be. So thinking about the twin tires and the tragedy that happened 20 years ago, he did come quickly for those who lost their lives 20 years ago. He is coming back. Take heed and watch. May the Lord add his blessing. Shall we have a song?